Welcome to the Multifamily Mavericks Podcast, hosted by Josiah Smelser and Megan Greathouse. This is your one-stop shop for building and growing your multifamily business. Join us on a weekly basis as we crack the code to multifamily investing and scale up to financial freedom. And now your hosts, Josiah and Megan. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Multifamily Mavericks. Thank you for being here. I'm your host, Megan Greathouse, and today we are trying something a little bit different. Josiah and I decided that we're going to divide and conquer on some of these episodes so we can really get in some in-depth one-on-one conversations with some of these guests. So here we are today with one of the first of these, and I will be interviewing someone who I've known for a few years. But before we get to that, Um, I hope you're all doing well. The week that I recorded this podcast uh, was actually a back to school week for most people across the nation. It's crazy times right now for that, but I hope it's going well for all of you who have children or who maybe you're going through some college courses. Um, It was a big week in my household. My son actually turned one and my daughter went into a pre-K classroom at her daycare. So just seeing both of them grow so quickly right in front of me. I don't know where the time is going. It's a a huge reminder of why I'm doing what I'm doing in real estate and what I'm trying to build for them. They're amazing. They're my world. And I'm doing this for them and for all the good that we as a family can do for others in the future together. Um, So it's kind of a cool week and a cool reminder for me. I hope it's been the same for you or at the very least, not too crazy. (laughs) But with all that being said, I'm super excited today to bring John Kasman onto this podcast. He is somebody who started like you and I with just, you know, a duplex, a a three family, and then he made that little leap into an eight family. And then he got bigger and bigger. And he shares with us today a lot of the things that got him to make those leaps. He talks a lot about partnering. You can't do everything yourself. So how do you think about partnering? What are some of the ways to go about it. How do you get to know the other person? Um, He talks about building his network in general and for raising capital in particular, he has a great three C's that you need to really make sure you've got confidence, credibility, and connections. And he talks a lot about how you can do that. And again, you don't have to do it alone. So I just think this is an excellent podcast. We get to hear a story of somebody who started like many of us have started and who's really grown thanks to how he's leveraged partnering and communications and marketing in his business. So without further ado, I'm going to let John take us in deeper. Listen, take notes. I hope you enjoy it. Before we get started, let's take this opportunity to get connected. You can find me on Instagram at Daily Real Estate Investor. You can find Megan on Instagram at Part-Time Empire and our show on Instagram at Multifamily Mavericks. We're also both on LinkedIn. And if you're a multifamily investor, a multifamily syndicator, a mom and pop owner, want to partner with us on a deal, or even have a deal you want to sell, get in touch with us. We want to hear from you. Shoot us a message through Instagram or LinkedIn, and let's get to know each other. All right, Multifamily Mavericks Nation, we are back. I am your host today, Megan Greathouse, and I'm very excited to bring to you John Kasman, who I have actually personally known for a couple of years. I, a couple years ago, made a road trip up to Chicago for the Midwest Real Estate Networking Summit, which he is the co-founder of, and got to meet him. And ever since then, I've been bugging him. So I bugged him again to come on this podcast. I think you are all going to take away so much from this discussion today. John, how are you? Megan, I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on the show. And you do not bug me. Okay? <laughs> you, uh, you are very poignant with your outreach. And we've actually built a pretty good relationship getting to know you over the time. And I'll, I'll say too, for someone who's watched you from that road trip, you know, like two, two and a half years or three years ago. At yeah, this three. Point, three years ago, you know, took the road trip and just watched you continue to build and grow. I've been really impressed with the trajectory that you're on. I know you still want to go to higher places, but I've loved watching you grow. And I'm really excited to talk to you and your audience today. Well, thank you, John. I appreciate that. That means a lot. Um, And it means a lot because you have done so much and you um, are where so many of us, me and our listeners want to be. So how about you give the audience a little bit of that background so they can see why I'm so excited to have you here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, first and foremost, just starting out, you know, for me, it really came down to, you know, why get into real estate investing and in particular, why multifamily. And, you know, like many of your listeners, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, um, earlier in my, my life, I think when I was in college or right out of college, and it just crystallized some concepts that I 
couldn't quite put my finger on, but I knew something wasn't right. I knew the way me and my family grew up around money, the way we talked about money. We didn't, by the way, unless it was we didn't have money. <laughs> um, right. but we didn't have money conversations. No one paid attention to the stock market. There was none of that kind of stuff going on, right? Mm -hmm. So that book helped me understand the way money works. But I was taught as a kid and as a young adult that you go to college you get a good job and you work that job until you retire. And that was kind of the way I saw success. So that's what I did. You know, I went out and everyone that I could see who was quote unquote successful, that was their blueprint. So that's what I set out to do. And in reading that book, especially since I read it right after college, I was like, wait a minute, are you telling me that this is not the play? Um, but at that point I was, I was kind of committed to the career, right? So I go into my career field of marketing and I'm doing pretty well. I'm accelerating up into different companies. I get hired at General Motors. I'm doing well there. And 2008 hits. And right at that time, you know, we're getting ready to go through a lot of financial issues. We have some massive layoffs. And I'm told by my boss that, don't worry, you're good. You know, everything's okay. You're a bright star. You're going to be okay. And I know they're having layoffs the next day. So I go into the office and I go in a little bit late just because I want to make sure I'm not there to witness any of that. And uh, I have this red light blinking on my phone. And you know, that means I have a voicemail. And I'm like, oh, I just run through every negative scenario I could in my mind. They lied to me because he wasn't there, by the way, that day. So I'm like, he lied to me. Like, these guys are letting me go. He didn't have the, the courage to tell me to my face. Like, they made this stuff up. And I wait like 20 to 25 seconds. And I finally listened to the voicemail. And it was actually one of my coworkers. And he was just explaining that, you know, he had worked for the company for 22 years. You know, he had also bought into the vision of you get a good job and you work until you retire. And he had planned on working there another eight years until he got his gold watch. And um, two things happened to me, man. I just, I just listened to a story and I felt a great sense of empathy to what he was facing and going through. And the second was I felt um, that I needed to really find a pathway to empower myself not to be in that position. No matter how much I enjoyed my job, no matter how well I was doing in my career, at some point, I was not going to be the guy. I was not going to be someone's, you know, uh, favorite employee. And they were going to either, you know, send me halfway across the world or they were just going to let me go and tell me it was time to retire. So at that moment, I really decided real estate was something I was going to focus on more. Um, and I started with a two-unit building, and, and we can talk a little bit more about my trajectory, but I started with a two-unit building that we house hacked. You know, I got a three-unit building, and then I wanted to start to progress and really start to scale. So we got an eight-unit building, and then from there, we took off more into the commercial space. Okay, that's awesome. So you did a two-unit, a three-unit, and then your third building was an eight-unit. Yeah, third property was an eight-unit building. Um, and the two-unit, I mean, that was a house hack, right? So I lived mm -hmm. in one unit, rented out the other unit, which I believe is a great way to get started, especially if you can find solid neighborhoods. If you're young and you're still you know, flexible in your lifestyle, it's a great way to get started. I highly recommend that. So we had the two-unit building, the three-unit that we bought about a year and a half after that. And then, um, and for us, I didn't know that I didn't know what FHA financing was. I didn't know what a house hack was back then. So um, the fact that I only had to put three and a half percent down on that two unit, we had extra money um, that we had saved. So we actually reinvested that directly into the property, do some renovations. We created a ton of equity, which again, I wasn't fully aware that that's what we had done either. Mm -hmm. So when I went to go buy the second one, once we had saved up enough money, my, my broker was like, hey, you know, how long have you had that property and what'd you do to it? And I told them, and they're like, you probably have enough equity in there to pull out a line of credit if you want. And I was like, nah, I think you're mistaken. He's like, no, <laughs> I think the market's gone up. I'm like, dude, it's been like 18 months. There's no way I made that kind of money in 18 months. Well, guess what? I made that kind of money in 18 months. So we got a, we got a six figure line of credit on that first property off of a house hack, a two unit house hack. We created more than six figures worth of equity. So that, that changed my perspective completely. That went from let's get a couple, you know, small properties just so I have, you know, my security blanket in case the job tells me, hey, we don't need you anymore, to this is what I need to be doing. This is real. You can really create wealth. So that eight unit building, that was kind of my, um, my, 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 I'm gonna call it a hop into multifamily, right? Mm -hmm. So it was, obviously I was in multifamily, but that was more than a little bit of a skip, but not quite a, a massive leap. And it, it did two things for me. First and foremost, it was a commercial property, which mentally for me, for my confidence was really, really important just so I could transition by a commercial property. 
have the ability to say, I, you know, owned a commercial property, managed a commercial property. I hired a property manager for that property. So now I have experience managing the manager. And I felt like those two things are really important. If I was ever going to get to the point where I was working with other investors, I will tell you now in hindsight, they weren't as important as I thought they were back then. But for me and my own personal confidence, it was something that gave me comfort in going to other people and saying, Hey, here's what I'm doing. Would you have an interest in joining me as I look to do my next deal? Wow. Okay. I love that. And I, I love hearing that because that's kind of where I am. And I think that's where a lot of our listeners are. We might have some folks who are going from nothing and hopping right into multifamily, but I think most of us have, you know, a few single families or a handful of duplexes and four families, which is what I've got. And uh, so there's a lot of similarities, but there are also some differences and, and you've got to be ready to make that leap. So on the subject of leap real quick, let's talk about like, what, what are some of your latest um, projects just so we can see the scale that you're at now? Yeah. I mean, the last couple of projects we've done, uh, we did 172 units um, at the end of last year. Prior to that, we did 138 units uh, at the beginning of last year. We were under contract on, on one earlier this year, COVID hit and uh, had to adjust some things and that deal no longer made sense. We had another deal where this, you know, just again, a lot of, a lot of, moving pieces right now. So yeah. we do have other deals in the pipeline, one that we have uh, an agreement on and another that we are submitting our, our best and final offer on right now. So we're continuing to move, but yeah, these, that one's a, an 80 unit. One was a 172 unit as well. Um, so we're definitely looking at larger deals. And I would say the biggest thing is for us at least, and for me, the transition was just mentally stop trying to do it all by yourself. You know, if this right. was all me, you know, like I was doing with that eight unit, there's no way in the world I would have 172 units or these other properties because there's not, a, there's not enough capacity to take on a project like that by yourself. But if you're willing to humble yourself and join a team or be a part of a team, now there's really no limit to what you can create, what you can build. So I think mentally for me was going from being kind of the, the, the coach and the captain of the team and the all-star player and doing it all by myself to saying, hey, look, you know, I have some skills, I have some things that I can bring to the table. Let's find some like-minded individuals. Maybe we can partner together and grow a portfolio that way. Yes, I think that's huge. I mean, you're right. It's, it can be a lot just with a handful of units. And when you talk about getting something really big, there are so many moving pieces. The due diligence alone can be huge. There's a lot to work through. And especially if you're going to syndicate and bring in investors and you have investor relations to worry about, can you tell us a little bit about the team that you built or did you, did you partner with somebody else and you guys kind of built a team together? Did you kind of bring everyone in? What's the team look like? Yeah. So, I mean, our model today is a little bit different than, you know, back when we did that first deal. So now we have two verticals, one where we kind of own and operate our properties. You know, we'll find, we, I do have a partner. So uh, my partner and I will look at opportunities, we'll evaluate them we decide we both like them, you know, after going through our tour or underwriting all of our due diligence, we'll go ahead and make our offer and, um, you know, we'll, we'll move forward from there. So that's one avenue. Those are more Midwest properties, typically Cincinnati, Indianapolis, um, Northern Kentucky, more, clo more closer to where we're at right now in Dayton as well. Um, on the other side of it, we do partner with other operators. And in that case, you know, we're joining them as general partners. We want to get to know them, understand the way they look at deals and what markets are they in. So the Southeast region is growing um, at a phenomenal clip. So we want to understand are there opportunities in those regions, Texas, Florida, Carolinas, you know, looking at opportunities to partner and align ourselves and potentially get into deals in that area. Um, so for us, two different models, but it gives us a lot of uh, expansion mm -hmm. into markets that otherwise we wouldn't be able to get into. And I assume at this point, this is all you're syndicating or you're bringing in money investors for all of these in both verticals that you just mentioned. That's right. Yep. Yes. Awesome. Okay. So I love that. I think the team is so important. I think there's a lot that goes into building that. And I'm sure you laid a lot of groundwork for a long time. Um, did your partner, for instance, did you guys know each other for a while? Had, had he been investing or she been investing also at first? And then you guys joined up. What was that, that yes. match story? <laughs> so, yeah. So, so my partner there on those deals, um, she had 
a lot of the same challenges in her personal portfolio. So kind of the, the range that I think a lot of your listeners are looking to get into, which is that, you know, call it low teens, 12 units up to say 50 units or so, maybe even up to 75 units. Mm-hmm. And she was having a hard time with property management. I was having a, a you know, I was having a hard time, um, which it, it progressively got worse, but mm-hmm. nonetheless, uh, and it's some of it's asset driven. Some of it is not necessarily to the PM itself, but uh, nonetheless, we were starting to bond over shared challenges and she <laughs> lived out in Colorado. Um, I was in Chicago at the time and we were both investing in the same market. So for us, we met on like a Facebook message group or something like that. And, um, you know, it was one of those things like, Hey, who else invests in this market? And she raised her hand and reached out and, you know, over the next few months was like, Hey, who are you using for this? Or, Hey, who are you using for this? Or how are you approaching this? And that just continued to grow, you know, and we talked about different challenges and we just realized we're actually a really good complement for each other because I enjoy doing things like this and talking to you and hosting events and all that kind of stuff. And she is petrified of it, (laughs) but (laughs) but she loves the asset management side of things. She loves the property management, getting deep into the, the nitty gritty, you know, understanding the, the cost per square foot of things. And I'm like, look, man, I, I don't know how much flooring is supposed to cost. You know, I can only look if I look at everything together and be like, oh, okay, well, here's five different quotes, you know, and then I'll ask, well, why is yours this much? And why is this one this much? But I, I don't intuitively know what drywall is supposed to cost, you know? And mm-hmm. so I'm like, hey, somebody who really likes that part of it, great. You take that on that way. I can focus more on the, the macro stuff. You know, again, I was in marketing at a large company like GM. So I like looking at the big picture, vision, branding, like those things, not necessarily the the line item by line item aspects. So we just built a rapport and got to know each other. And it was a couple of years before we decided to actually partner because it became a thing where it's like, well, look, if I find something where I could use that resource, maybe we should do something together. And that partnership is still a very um, fluid and natural one. Like we haven't said like, hey, here's a contract. We're exclusive partners. We're only going to do this together. Um, I'm very open and upfront in our conversation. So I said, I will tell her, hey, I'm looking at this deal. I'm probably going to partner with this person on it. Um, just so you're aware, I don't want you to ever feel like, you know, um, you know, I just want to, to keep the line of communication open. And if you find something, if you're interested in being involved in this, let me know and I'll, I'll, I'll bring you in on it. Um, but we have a great relationship from that standpoint. And I would say, don't rush to get into a partnership. You know, I'm a big fan of partnerships, but on the same note, I will tell you not to just rush into it just because you, you meet somebody and they, they compliment you because personalities are really key. And you also have to know your own personality. Are you someone who gets along with everyone? Or are you someone who it can be confrontational, you know? And if sure. that's the case, you know, you may not want to be in relationships with people who are like-minded because those strong-willed individuals can clash at times. So you really want to take your time and get to know somebody, understand the way they operate, understand their strengths and understand their weaknesses. And I would say until you really understand someone's weaknesses, you probably haven't gotten to know them well enough, you know, because it's easy to do the strengths. It's easy to look at the things someone does well and that they shine at and be like, oh, this person is great. It's just like dating, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you meet somebody oh, they're great. They do this. They work here. They, you know, you can just rattle (laughs) off all the good things. Like, well, what's, give me some bad things or some things they should work on. And a lot of times you can't right away. Right. So when you can start identifying a couple of things and then just proactively figuring out, all right, person's not that great at this. So I'm probably going to have to do more of that. Or we just need to kind of align on how do we, you know, reduce these deficiencies, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we can grow our business the right way. And if you can, if you can do that and do so in a proactive manner, in a way that is constructive, then it can be an amazing partnership. You know, if you're going to do it where it's destructive and it's it's criticism, then you may be you know headed to a, a bad place. But as long as you understand how to form a good working relationship, then I think you can build a strong partnership. I love what you said there about you don't know, you don't really know somebody until you know some of their weaknesses. That is such a great takeaway. And it's so true, right? The dating analogy is used often with partnerships for very good reason. In my mind, it's kind of like, you know, you're dating someone for a little while, everything seems great. And then you, you maybe finally go on a first trip together and deal with the stress of a delayed flight or a canceled flight. And that's when you start to really get to know (laughs) that person that you're dating. So, you know, with partnerships too, 
um, is a great thing to think about and how you can keep it open. You don't have to decide there's one person that you are going to start a company with. You can team up with someone on a deal, work through that with them, figure it out. Maybe that leads to another deal. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it does eventually lead to forming a company together, or maybe you guys just continue to partner up without forming that company. I think people get hung up sometimes in the thought of partnership and, and you know, maybe the cold feet of, of marrying yourself to somebody. There are a bunch of different ways to do it. And to your point, you do need to get to know them and, and understand their weaknesses. You're not going to find a partner without weaknesses. You just have to find some, a partner where you can handle the weaknesses and they can handle yours. So I love that. And I think that discussion takes my mind to something you and I were talking about before we started recording, which is, you know, what got you here won't get you there. What got me to have a smattering of, you know, four families and duplexes won't necessarily get me all the way to a 20 or 30 or 40 unit building. And you mentioned something that I really want our audience to hear about three C's that people need to get from here to there. Um, confidence, credibility, and connections. Can you walk us through this? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, uh, to your point there, you have to understand where you're at today and where you're trying to go. And for a lot of people, there's something that is holding you back and something that you may not have the full belief in yourself, right? We talk about these limiting beliefs, but, you know, sometimes you just have to step back and figure out what are the best ways around a situation. So there are three C's. I, I typically relate it to attracting capital, but I actually think it is more universal and broad, but you mentioned confidence, credibility, and connections. So when I think about confidence, that really comes from preparedness. You know, um, have you educated yourself? You know, are you really prepared on the subject, whatever it is? And in this case, if we're talking about attracting capital, it's the deal, it's multifamily, it's the market, it's, you know, COVID, it's all of these different things. If you're prepared, then you can speak with confidence, you know, so really that confidence, it's not a, a, a false bravado. It's not, you know, faking it till you make it. It is the confidence from the, the time, the effort, the experience that you have that you've built in, right? So confidence is going to be key. You cannot approach someone about investing with you and lack confidence. You know, if they start grilling you on a deal and you, you know, you, you can't answer these questions, they're not going to want to invest with you. You know, people want to invest with people who are confident, especially investing their money. I'm not going to invest with somebody who seems unsure that it's a good deal. Right. What? So that <laughs> confidence is, is absolutely key. But again, it needs to come from a real place and not just some, some made up belief place. Right. And that confidence, that confidence also needs to come from a place where you can build in some humility. What I mean by that is you may get a question that you don't know the answer to. Maybe you haven't calculated the impact something is going to have. Just address that in a straightforward way. Hey, you know what? That's a great question. I haven't really looked into that. Let me go dig into that a little bit and let me get back to you in a day or so. Okay. So those are the ways you, you handle that in a confident manner. Next one is credibility. And I think this is where a lot of your listeners are going to get caught up because to get that 20 unit, that 40 unit, you feel like you're, you're walking up steps, right? You go from a two unit to a four unit, from four unit to a six unit, from six unit to a 12 unit to, you know, it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't. And a lot of people will understand that you don't have to start with single family. You don't have to start with a house hack. You don't have to start there. You can start with something bigger. Now I read this in a book. Uh, I think it was the ABC of the real estate by Ken McElroy. Mm -hmm. And he said, you don't have to start with a small property. You can start with the 150 unit. I said, Ken, you foolish. You know? <laughs> uh, <laughs> but he didn't get in, the, in the, the book. He doesn't get into how, right? Sure. So it just sounds ridiculous to tell someone that, you can start investing with zero experience by buying a 150 unit property. It just <laughs> sounds ridiculous, right? But I think the reality here, there is you can, you may need to change the how, you yeah. may need to change what you do, you may yeah. need to change the role, but 150 unit doesn't necessarily need to be off the table. And that comes back to limiting beliefs. But let's go back to the credibility. The credibility comes from whatever experience you do have. If you've run large companies, which again, we talked about, for instance, my experience with uh, running marketing and running eight, nine figure budget campaigns for General Motors. Mm -hmm. If I have experience running a hundred million dollar advertising budget, there's a chance I might be able to do a four or five million dollar deal. 
right? It's different yeah. industries completely, yeah. but some of those skills overlap. So same thing for your audience. If you have experience doing something in the business space or real estate or whatever, you can leverage that experience to give yourself the confidence you need, but also build that credibility to say, hey, you know what? I've been able to achieve success at these four or five things because of that experience and because of that process, I believe I can take it over here. So that credibility is key. If you've been a broker, it's a natural transition. It's completely different. But if you've been a broker and you've brokered $100 million worth of real estate transactions, someone could understand that, hey, it kind of makes sense that he would be able to transition into the investor side. Same thing if you have any, you know, whatever your professional career is, if you've had some success, you can leverage that success into the space. Here's the other piece. The credibility doesn't have to be by yourself. You know, you can yeah. build a team, you can get a mentor, a coach, a partner, you can hire a property manager, you can surround yourself with the people who build your credibility, because it shouldn't be you by yourself. It should be, hey, we've got a team around us that we have confidence in to execute this deal. So credibility is not just you, it's the whole team. It's all these different things combined, right? So that's your credibility piece. And then the last thing is connections. So if you're going to raise money for deals or even attract deals, you're going to need to have those connections, maybe broker connections to get the deals. It may be investor connections to, to raise the capital, but you need to actually network and come across as confident and credible to all those people in the network. Because if you reach out to a broker and you have never bought a deal and you say, Hey, send me some deals. I want to buy a 50 unit property. What kind of response do you think you're going to get? You know, you're not going to get a warm response. You're not going to get that hot off market pocket listing deal. You can get the crap that he threw on loop that, that he's trying to sell for, to everybody else at the highest price, price point he possibly can. So if you want to get good deals, you need to be able to come across as credible. And that's the, that's the confidence to speak the lingo. That's the confidence to come across as a professional. That's the credibility to demonstrate that you can actually close on a deal. It's the credibility to, to you know, come across that, hey, you can attract the capital you need to do the deal. So all those things kind of work hand in hand. So if you're going to come into this and try to scale, the three things you need are going to be the confidence, the credibility, and the connections. I love that. I think right there, if people only listen to one segment of this podcast and they hear that, they're going to take so much away from this episode. It's a big mental leap, some of those things for people who are trying to scale. Um, and I think, you know, personally, I love how you talk about other people and partnering and, and the people around you to make all of those things happen. Because I think for me, that was, uh, you know, a mental gap for me early on. I want to get into this. It felt like there were some risks. So my thought was, okay, Megan, you can, you can rely on yourself to work through the risks and the issues and do that so that you're not making mistakes on behalf of other people and they're not making mistakes on behalf of you. But as you get further, your mind definitely starts to open up to, wait a minute, now that I've done this for a little bit, I see where I excel and I see where I really don't excel as much and, and the spots that I'm consistently struggling with or that kind of weigh me down and I'm not as excited to do those. Wow, it makes so much sense to find people who are good at that and aren't good at the things I'm good at and, and pull all that together to increase my confidence to increase my credibility and to continue, you know, with both of us working on the connections, having each other and, and then building our connections together, you can get so much further. So I love those three C's for capital raising or just in general to get to larger buildings. Thank you for sharing that. Can I ask, what do you feel your, what are your strengths and what are the things you have been bringing to the table with the deals and the partnerships you've done? Yeah, good question. So, I mean, for me, that's a great question. It took me a second to actually reflect and figure out how to answer that question for myself. And, you know, starting out, I didn't have a deep investor network. So it's not like I was, a, you know, a doctor and I had, you know, 50 other doctors ready to stroke me $100,000 checks. So I didn't have that. So part of it was I had to look at it and say, okay, what, what do you do well? Like, what are your, what are the skills that you can develop that you can hone to be a better per to be a better investor. And one of them goes into marketing, you know, and when I say marketing, it's, it's understanding more of 
kind of the psychology behind a lot of these different tasks. I'm not talking about creating a, a, a very pretty ad and convincing people to come invest with me. That's not what I mean. What I mean by that is to say, um, being able to understand the challenge in front of us, figure out how do we come up with the right solution for it, and then develop whatever messaging or communication we needed to get that in front of people. Let me, let me give you an example here. Um, I'm, I'm sure most of your listeners at least know who LeBron James is, right? Yes. I don't care what you think of him, but if you know who LeBron James is, okay. Well, think about a company like Sprite or Nike. Let's take Nike. Nike pays LeBron James a lot of money to sponsor their products. Does Nike need LeBron James? One may say yes, one may say no. Here's the sure. point. It's all about credibility for them. If the best basketball player on the planet or one of the best basketball players on the planet is wearing their shoes, that builds the credibility to say, hey, this product is good enough for them, it's good enough for you. You can take it from, you know, a, a Kardashian as well. I mean, it really Kylie Jenner, whatever. The point is, is that these people lend their credibility. So when we talk about partnerships, it's the same kind of thing. If you have zero experience, you have no experience, you're going to go and try to convince a broker that you're the best buyer for a deal. You need to borrow someone else's credibility the same way Sprite and Nike borrow LeBron James, the same way, you know, uh, Mac and these other brands borrow other celebrities and go get that and building the brand. So for me, part of it was understanding what do I need to, who do I need to surround myself with, you know, to build my credibility, just to, to borrow a little bit until I can stand on my own. Right. Um, but if you know the story of Nike and you go back to Michael Jordan, Nike was not Nike. Converse was Nike. And then they signed Michael Jordan and then they became Nike. Okay. And you can yeah. watch the whole documentary on the bulls to understand that a little bit more. But the point is, is that if you have a great product, just having a great product, is not enough. You have to find a way to stand out. So for me, it was a matter of, okay, how do I continue to better myself? I felt like I could raise capital, um, but I needed the new connections, right? A lot of the people in my network, they knew me as the marketer. And they weren't necessarily the accredited investors who were ready to invest in real estate. Many of them didn't know much about real estate. So one of the first things I realized was that in order to invest, you know, to get investors, your investors have to understand that real estate is a great investment. If you can't show someone a deal and say, hey, here's this great deal, come invest with me, if they've never considered investing in real estate, period. So you have to start with the real estate and then move on. So it's like, all right, well, instead of trying to get my auntie to, to figure out that real estate is what she should be investing in. There's hundreds, if not thousands of other people that are, you know, in my indirect network that are interested in real estate investing. How do I reach those people? And how do I do it without becoming a salesman and calling everybody I've ever met and asking them, do they want to invest? And that's when I started to turn more into the communications, the podcasts, the events, things like that to help me cast a wider, a wider net. So I would say marketing is a thing that, you know, helps me to connect with people. Um, but then also just having that business background, I can look at underwriting, I can look at a business plan, and we can sit down and, and make sure that we are implementing a sound strategy. So I'm not necessarily the guy who is overseeing every single day to day aspect. But from a business standpoint, we can absolutely look at the numbers, understand where the budgets are, and make sure that we are, you know, executing according to plan. I'm much more of a manager than the person who's actually, you know, hitting the hitting the, the nails with the hammer. Yeah, absolutely. And for those of you who might not be as familiar with John, he has Casman Capital Group. He also has a podcast of his own, Target Market Insights, which I listen to and enjoy on a regular basis. And he is the, I already mentioned earlier, co-founder, co-creator of the Midwest Real Estate Networking Summit. So when John talks about marketing and the ways that he does this, he gets his name out there, he creates the connections, he really is in it and he does this um, daily, pretty much daily, you are at this. Uh, you can tell from your presence out there and, and uh, how I met you, for instance. So, so that's awesome. Um, you know, you talked earlier about kind of borrowing some credibility. Did you early on, was there anybody that you kind of aligned yourself with who was more established in the multifamily game? Um, was it more a, a wide net of connections or did you have one or two kind of key connections who you were able to jump in a deal with them or just at least get some coaching and mentoring from them? 
Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, you know, I want to make sure that when we talk about borrowing credibility that people understand what I'm saying. I, I'm, if you're an asshole, like <laughs> aligning yourself to somebody who has a good name and reputation is not going to make you like this person, right? Like, Yes, people, thank you for clarifying that. Will, that. <laughs> that will allow them to come to you and look into you, but eventually they're going to be like, oh, this dude's an asshole. Yep. So it's not going to help you change who you are. You know, so whoever you are at your core, that's going to come through. If you just need to meet people and just, you know, try to figure out how do you get blessings, the same going back to the dating analogy, it's going to be much easier if someone says, hey, I want you to meet my friend versus you just going up to some stranger at the bar. So that's all this is. That's all we're talking about is someone who is lending a little bit of credibility for the person on the other end to at least be open to exploring a conversation. All right. Mm -hmm. So with that said, that's really how all of my conversations started. Um, I, will, I will give you more than I've ever, ever said in a podcast, so your listeners will really enjoy this. All but right. When I, made, when I bought the eight-unit building, I bought it in November 2016. And at that moment, I, I realized that I was out of my money. I spent $100,000 plus on the down payment for that deal. And you know, I'm like, dude, to save another $100,000 to buy another property, it's going to take another year and a half. Of, and this is, you know, I'm a second child on the way. Um, actually, we just had our second child. So I was like, like, and this is living way below our means, right? To save money like that, I had to really save, you know? So it was like, we weren't spending anything. We were house hacking. We were, you know, had the same car and all this stuff. <laughs> so I sat down with a friend of mine, a friend, his name is Bree. And Bree and I had breakfast. I invited her to breakfast. And Bree went from nine units to 90 units in a very short window, less than a year. And I saw her do that. I met her. She had nine units. About a, you know, a year and a half later, she had 90 units. And I said, how in the world did you do that? And she explained to me that she started working with other investors. So when I bought that eight unit, I realized that pain. And pain is what motivates you to actually make a real decision and change. Because I had pleasure in, oh, I just bought an eight unit, bought my commercial property. I'm a real multifamily investor now. <laughs> but I sat there and like, dude, to, to do this process again like this, that's what you said early on. What got you here will not get you there. And I knew that me continuing to just save and save and save and save and save until I had enough to buy was a long track and probably not the most successful path that I could take. So at that moment, I decided to talk to other more successful investors who I will put Brie in that category at that point. And um, she and I spoke, she gave me a couple of things and she said, listen, I, you, you should probably think about taking on investors. And in. that's probably the, the, the more, most obvious thing you can do to grow your business. Um, so she and I have always had a great relationship. I, I say that to tell you that she was the person who kind of helped me just crystallize that, you know, this is probably what I should be doing with that said, Brie and I kind of always had a strong relationship there. And we actually were at a conference together out in California and it was a great event. And we started thinking about why we don't have these kind of events in Chicago. And as she and I were sitting talking about it, we said, we should create this. And it went from drinks over a cocktail to, you know, I think a week or two later, we were looking at venues and, you know, we decided to actually create the Midwest Real Estate Networking Summit. Um, go back to that, that breakfast though. So I kind of mentally made the decision that I wanted to start working with investors. Fast forward one month and I come to Cincinnati and I meet a guy named Joe Fairless. And this is December, 2016. Okay. And Joe and I have lunch and Joe tells me that, you know, he has a coaching program and he just did a, a deal where he raised a million dollars. And I'm like, bet, sign me up. <laughs> and uh, I mean, I thought about it for a little bit. And, but ultimately, I said, you know what, I think this is, I, I said, this is what I wanted. I think this is the universe's way of saying, all right, well, let me put the people in place that can help you do this. And, you know, those are two of my, my, my connections, you know, two of my, fr my friends to this day, Joe, for the listeners who don't know, Joe Fairless has built, uh, he's probably right on right around a billion dollars um, in his portfolio right now. So um, really amazing. I met him when he had $7 million in his portfolio. So <laughs> to give you some context, right. so I've watched him grow and expand. You know, if you watch a guy add $993 million of, uh, properties in their portfolio over the course of four years, you, you learn a thing or two, right? So those things really helped me. And, and I would say the coaching in particular, while the education, the training, 
you know, it's good. I think you can get it a lot of different places. More importantly than anything, it's the network, it's the connections, it's the team, it's the accountability, it's the implementation. You know, I could tell you right now, if you want to go raise money, go do these three things, but how many people actually do it? Yeah. You know, and you need a system, you need help, you need accountability, you need a coach. That's what a coach is. A coach helps you go out and actually do the things you're supposed to do to see the results you say you want. Now you're going to have those moments where you're like, damn, do I really want it? I don't know. I didn't, you didn't tell me I was going to do this. And you were in the military, you know, right? Right. You, you were right. in the military. You know what it's like. You've had oh, those yeah. days where you're sitting there like, man, I did not think this is what I signed up for. <laughs> you need that kind of help. You need someone to push you over. You need someone as um, a guide to help you get there. And for me, what I will say is it was really important for me to have these people in my, my personal network. Because when you surround yourself with people who are where you want to be, it now becomes the normal behavior for you. And you really don't have a choice but to start emulating that behavior if you're going to stay within that circle. So if all of your friends are investing in multifamily and building portfolios and, you know, grinding and doing great things, and you're just still thinking about investing or, you know, well, maybe I'll buy another two unit and they're all building, you know, these massive portfolios. I'm not even saying it's massive, but they're all actively engaged in the business. You're going to get there. I mean, that's just how it is. And you just need to figure out what does it take for me to get there? Um, so for me, I, I think for, for, for what I was going through, the biggest thing was surrounding myself with the right people, including hiring a coach, um, because that gave me a blueprint. I'd, I'd already had some success. I had 13 units. I had a one and a half million dollar portfolio before I hired a coach. So I was on the path, but I also hit a road where I was like, all right, what I did to get here is not going to get me to the next stage. So I really need to figure out how do I do that? And that was really an important piece for me. I love that. I love early on, you mentioned pain, like pain is that moment when you're forced to kind of figure things out. And you mentioned my military background. I was in the Marine Corps. One of the sayings they had is pain is weakness leaving the body. I think there are two kinds of reactions to pain. Either you recoil and you try to get out of the pain or you push through the pain and that drives the weakness out. You got to keep pushing through to figure it out. Um, and sometimes it's a more direct path than others. But when you surround yourself, like you said, with these types of people, and I like that you talk about people, plural. It's not one person. It's not just a coach. You also had these other people you were talking with and networking with. It's not just a mentor who you, you know, reached out to on LinkedIn and try to convince them, be my mentor. It, your mentor can be a conglomeration of people. Um, it doesn't all have to come from one source and it probably shouldn't. You know, there are a lot of ways to do this and to understand the right path for you. You're going to want to see more than one way to do it as well and get a few different perspectives along the way. Um, so I know you and I were talking a little bit beforehand. You said we didn't have to talk about this, but I would love to. Uh, John, do you have any any current coaching availability? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, so we, we do have a program. It's called the Capital Impact Club. And, um, you know, part of the reason I launched the program was I, I genuinely help. I love these conversations, right? Um, I, and that's why I told you you weren't bugging me before. I, I enjoy these <laughs> conversations. The challenge for me was I realized that they're, they're – um, I was spending too much time doing these conversations and not enough time working on the business. Sure. So we needed to balance that out a little bit, but the, the program is really, it's a lot of stuff we talked about, you know, this, this episode so far, but it's really a blueprint to help people get the multifamily foundation that they need, but also understand how to leverage marketing to accelerate their growth. You know, I think for me, the one thing that was missing was really understanding the marketing component from a business. And again, I'm not necessarily talking about, building up a social media platform or just launching a podcast. What I'm talking about is really dissecting you, your business, the brand, the company you're trying to create, the challenges that you face, your strengths, your weaknesses, and figuring out what elements you need to be successful. For some people, they don't need to do a podcast ever. They don't need to ever write a social media post. All they have to do is make three phone calls to some of their buddies, tell them I got a deal and the money's in a bank account within 72 hours. If you're not in that position, you might have to do a little bit more work, though. So <laughs> the, the program is about understanding where you're at. How do you kind of gauge and, and build in kind of a, a program that allows you to to build and go from there? So a lot of it is 
marketing based, but it's also about how do you automate some of these processes, right? Because it's not a salesman thing. I think a lot of people tell you just call a hundred people and dude, I'm not about to sit here and call a hundred people I know, especially because the people in your network, the people who are who are listening to this and maybe you're like, hey, I don't want to raise money. The reason you don't want to raise money is because you feel like you're asking people to help you. Right. And it's very different if you feel like you're helping other people. Yeah. And just think about that dynamic there. You know, if you feel like you're helping, you're helping other people versus other people are helping you, you approach it very differently. And that's why the business is so important. You know, are you just doing this to, to get some, the hundred thousand dollars you need to do your next deal? Or are you trying to help people, you know, diversify their income, get all the tax benefits and everything else that comes from investing in commercial real estate, especially multifamily. And I think that perspective is huge because you put yourself in a position to serve other people. Then you understand that you need to tell other people what you do so you can identify the people who are looking for your help. It's just like if I were a baker or anything else, you know, I can't help everyone. No, everyone doesn't want my services, but there are people who are having a wedding who are looking for someone to make them a beautiful, delicious cake. So if I offer that service, it would behoove me to let folks know that this is what I do. And even if you're not the person who's looking to, to, to hire me to bake them a delicious cake, you may have a sister, a cousin, or a friend who's getting married, and you might pass along my business card or make an introduction. And it's the same thing with this, right? But it comes down to that limiting belief and you know, all of those three C's we talked about, because that all goes back to confidence. If you're confident that you're serving people and helping people, you're going to have confidence in the way you connect and tell people what you do the same way you would do for your W-2 job, you know? And that's what we're talking about here is just really building up that confidence, the credibility and the connections that allow you to grow. So that's what we do at the Capital Impact Club. Um, I try to make it where it's really about the individual. It's more about the implementation, the accountability. My goal is to help people actually move forward as multifamily investors. It's not just to sell you education. Um, I know a lot of people have educational programs. I think, I think that a lot of them are great. So it's not about those. I just think the challenge most people have is um, actually finding deals and having opportunities to invest. So that's kind of what we try to focus our program on. That's awesome. And I think this whole episode has been just packed with it. You're bringing it today, especially with the mindset and thinking about how you go from point A to point B or C or D. I've loved this conversation. I've got just two more questions for you and then we'll let you go because I know you are busy. But one question is a question we've been asking every guest, just kind of interesting end of the conversation question here. If we were to write you a $10 million check and say, John, you can have this check. You can go cash it and use it forever. Whatever you want, except real estate, you cannot invest in real estate anymore. I mean, you can, you can take the equity from the real estate you already have, but, but you're out. No more real estate for the rest of your life. Would you take the check or would you say no thanks and keep investing? <laughs> Man, that's a tough question. Um, you can write it today? Yeah, sure. I definitely right. have $10 million in the bank for you right now. John. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's a tough question. Um, so, so the thing is, is that the real estate is supposed to provide something else. So we all have our numbers and you have to figure out what that number is for you. Um, I have, a, I always, I'm terrible at these hypotheticals because I'm always like, I need more details. Tell me this. Again, I'm a strategist, right? So I'm like, tell me this. What about this? Can I invest in other things? Can I invest in the stock market? Can I invest in notes? So I like have like a hundred caveats yep. to this, right? I like but, it. Um, but in short, I would say, you know, I think if we had, if, if that were the situation, I would say no. All right. And the only reason I would say no is I'm still fairly young. And I think that the upside of building our portfolio far exceeds $10 million. Not to mention, I think that, you know, watch like being able to pass on some of this information to my children, letting them watch me work and helping them 
even if they don't want to do this, it's like, hey, just get you a little side property just to cover your expenses, right? So I, I feel like that really outweighs that is that sum. Um, but we have a lot, we have a lot of equity in deals, but not as much cash flow. So that 10 million would be real, real you know, that's really tight. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I totally get it. Yeah. And it's interesting to hear people's responses and reactions because obviously most people we talk to have some level of love or passion for real estate. Uh, but much, much of it's connected more to the underlying why and the 10 million can go a long way for that underlying why. So it's always interesting to hear there's, we've had, uh, I don't think there's a, a real um, obvious divide yet in how people have answered, but it's very interesting to hear. So thank you for sharing, talking that through with us. Um, before we go, John, tell us where people can find out more about you, about your podcast, your different things that you have to offer. Yeah, I mean, I think the easiest thing is if you're if you're really looking to scale, if you're really looking to go to the next level, even as a passive investor or active investor, we have a sample deal package available on our website. So you can go to casmancapital.com slash sample deal. And you can download that sample deal package there. And that'll get you on our, our mailing list. So you get a few more updates from us and, and some different things there. Um, and if you have a, you know, you want to check out the podcast, you can check that out. It's Target Market Insights, the multifamily and marketing show. It's available anywhere you're listening to podcasts. Uh, so if you're, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or anywhere else, you can check us out there as well. Um, and then by all means, if you want to just reach out and say you enjoyed this episode or have any other questions, feel free to shoot me an email at john at casmancapital.com. That is awesome. Thank you again so much, John. This has been an amazing episode. I think people are going to take so much from this. There's a, it feels like there's a big gap sometimes going from point A to point B. And uh, I think you've given us so many great tools and things to think about on how we shift our mindset and take some, some solid action. So thank you again. We appreciate your time and we will see you later. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Megan. Thanks for tuning in to Multifamily Mavericks. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, leave us a rating and review, and share it with your friends. It helps us grow, which helps us find great guests, which in turn helps you grow. And don't forget to connect with us on LinkedIn or on Instagram at Multifamily Mavericks, at Daily Real Estate Investor, at Part-Time Empire. Join us next time to keep learning the multifamily game and scale up to financial freedom.